0: Whether you are or know someone who is battling multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, type 2 diabetes, scleroderma, lupus, or any of the 24 autoimmune diseases that HSCT can halt or are simply inspired by transformational journeys, you are in the right place. We all take the chance with HSCT because we believe it is our only hope for a life free from progressive disease. This podcast is dedicated to the warriors whose journey with HSCT ended too soon. We honor their advocacy, their legacies, and their spirits. As we continue to grow the HSCT warrior community, illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression, connect through our shared experiences, and advocate for an inclusive society. We are glad you've joined us. Welcome to episode four. Joining us today is Dave from Pennsylvania, who received HSCT on September 11th of 2017 from Dr. Richard Burt at Northwestern Memorial University. So thanks so much, Dave, for being a part of this podcast. Oh, happy happy to do it. Part of this interview, part of this um, movement, right, to get the word out. And we were just talking a little bit before I... Press record. That more people need to hear about this, and that you heard about it from your neurologist. Is that right?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, years of, of struggling. I was I was diagnosed um, in two thousand and seven, um, and went through a couple different neurologists. Went through a bunch of different kinds of treatments from from EBIF and and you know, in the end, abogia was the last thing I had tried. Um, but my neurologist was the one that brought it up to me and said that I needed to, uh, to see Dr. Burt because none of the treatments they were prescribing for me were, were doing anything and I was just progressively getting worse.
0: That's fascinating that your doctors even knew about it. Um, and I yeah, we,
1: we, I mean, we tried to go the drug route, you know, <laughs> and it didn't do any good and, and I didn't know anything about it and, and, uh, about what Dr. Burt was doing. And I probably never would have known, you know, had they, uh, had they not told me, I just would have kept going from drug to drug to drug and, and not getting any better.
0: Or not halting progression. Right. And I think the drugs try to slow that progression. At right. least I mean, we're talking about MS for any listeners um, out there that I didn't make that more clear, but, um, yeah. So the drugs are, to me, they, it's almost like a band aid. And eventually that band aid wears off. And what's underneath mm. either can fester <laughs> or heal. And oftentimes the disease is aggressive and continues to fester without, um, without, well, and, and,
1: and, and up to earlier this year, I was living in Florida, I was living in central Florida, and the disease was so aggravated by the heat. And mm. you, you you can't avoid the heat um, forever in Florida. It's going to catch up to you. And I tell you, it affected my fatigue level uh, so greatly that I, I had to do something and it just wasn't doing, I have, you know, I have two kids. I, I have a, you know, a two year old daughter and I was either working or sleeping uh, mm. toward the end there. And um, I wasn't seeing her grow up. It was, it was awful. And, You know, just feeling bad and then feeling guilty and feeling depressed about it just exacerbated the whole thing and and just compounded the problem, made it so much worse.
0: So much worse. And so Mm -hmm. you you had issues with fatigue. Can you name other symptoms that you had?
1: Yeah, I I mean, (laughs) I I had fallen so many times Mm. um, that I got good at it.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, th- I could fall almost gracefully and not injure myself.
0: Way to you go! Know,
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you know, it had gotten my vision would be bad, um, and memory, you know, was was really bad. I was, you know, having a hard time. I was struggling at work. I was having a hard time remembering things that needed to be done at home, and uh, it was complicating things. But it was really the fatigue because. Once I started getting tired and the foot, one my, my feet started dragging and then I was tripping and I was falling and, um, you know, just becoming frustrated and depressed. And it was just this vicious cycle of things going on and all kind of started with the heat, um, stress at work, you know, was making things impossible, you know, and then I would just every few months I would have, you know, a major relapse and I would have to, you know, do a steroid treatment and take time off to recover and just nothing would help but that steroid and you know a couple weeks of rest really
0: rest is so key so that's a lot to have carried around with you for so many years
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. especially when you're especially when you feel like your feet weigh 100 pounds each (laughs)
0: <laughs> I remember that feeling well and I too was falling often especially there right before transplant just almost every day multiple times a day I, I cannot mm-hmm. even tell you how many times I did you become mad. good at it too I no, really I did not well I became apathetic almost and I, I've learned that yeah. my uh, tone my tonal patterns my extensor whatever they call it my physical therapist tries to teach me and I try to remember, but, um, right. whatever my tonal patterns are, as soon as my body starts to fall, it's like I get stiff as a board and straighten out, like, and I fall like a pancake. There's no bending my knee. There's no trying to catch myself it's just mm-hmm. embrace the fall.
1: Right. <laughs> You're right.
0: Going down. <laughs> but anyway, this is not about me. This is about you. So,
1: and I felt that, that was it. So I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop all the time, waiting to start feeling bad. And it never happened. I mean, it it went from, I mean, seriously, Jen, I like walked into the hospital with a cane and walked out and literally leaned it up against the outside of the hospital and got into a cab and went to the airport. mean, it's just like, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And, um, I, you know, I, I got back home. It took probably a month and a half, you know, to just rest and, and, and hang out. And, and, you know, my wife was very cautious about what I was doing what I was interacting with and making sure that it was recovered fully. But I, you know, started bouncing off the walls. I wanted to get out and start, you know, a new life and, and get active again. And, um, it was just amazing. I mean, I can't say that I was, you know, the most athletic guy or, or, you know, worked out or all that, you know, just active and that kind of thing. You know, I'm not that guy anyway, but it just felt so much better. And just the fact that I could go a full day, you know, I could go from maybe I could do 2000 steps a day before the procedure, you know, to then doing, you know, eight to 10,000 right away. And then now doing almost 20,000 on busy days, um, like where we're traveling or something like that and not having to sleep for three days afterwards. It's amazing. You know, I feel like I'm, it's a completely new life for me. I mean, it's not to say that I don't have symptoms from time to time. Um, I'll get the occasional foot drag, you know, but it's like, I'm just bebopping around the place and I like stop and think about it for a second and go, you know, a year ago, you couldn't walk like this. You know, I'm just I'm in my office and I'm shooting through, you know, the place going to this meeting and that meeting and this person's desk to talk to them. And I'm just you know, I'm walking smoothly. I'm not dragging my feet. I'm not having to hold on to anything. I'm going up and down the stairs. You know, all these things that I couldn't do a year ago.
0: Amazing. How do you feel about it? Pardon? How do you feel, like in a one word, how do you feel about it? I say amazing or wonderful.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it is wonderful. It's, you know, and then we use the word amazing too much, but that's, it's really not, uh, it's completely accurate in this case.
0: So why was it important for you to participate in this podcast?
1: I think because I, the one thing I, I would tell people who, who are going to do this or going in to do it is that it's more than just having, you know, people will tell you, you have to have a positive attitude about things. And that is definitely part of it. But I, I think what I did Jen was to just give myself over to those folks at the hospital and to Dr. Burt and just say, okay, this is what I'm here to do. And I'm not going to fight anything. I'm not going to be negative. I'm not going to whine about it. You know, I'm just going to let you do what you need to do and I'm going to take it all in stride. And just by not reacting negatively toward these kinds of things, you know, um it helped so much just just letting it happen, not fighting it at all. You know, oh, you got to put a catheter in. Well, that's going to suck, but okay. You know, oh, you're going to, you know, <laughs> pump me full of chemicals today yeah, I think it's probably going to suck, but this is part of the process. Right. this is what I need to do if I want to reach my goals at the end and just, just not fight it and just let it go. Acceptance. And that's what I would tell people is just to, uh, just to lay back and, and, and know that you're going to get through it, and at the other end, things are going to be better, and it's, you know it's going to suck for a little bit, but it, it's really going to pay off. It's
0: good advice. Uh, acceptance is key. I think in a lot of this, so many people can resist even different aspects. Like you mentioned the catheter, it's uncomfortable, Uh, but pain is temporary. And I kept telling myself that Uh, anytime I felt pain in the hospital, this is temporary. This too shall pass.
1: Just, you know, save a bunch of a bunch of TV shows (laughs) and and binge, you know, for, you know, a matter of three or four weeks and uh, keep
0: yourself distracted.
1: That's exactly it. You know, I I was fortunate enough to have, you know, my wife with me for part of it, my sister with me for part of it. Um, You know, relatives stopped in and visited and that sort of thing, too. Um, You know, honestly, it's it's. it's funny because at the same time I started the treatment there was a hurricane Irma was going through central Florida. Mm. So my wife had to leave and go back to Florida uh, get our daughter and her parents and evacuate. So I honestly was having more stress about that. Sure. Than the procedure I was going Goodness. through. So it, in a way that probably helped too. You know, just to uh, have my mind on something else even though I was worried for them um, and there wasn't anything I could do from a hospital bed, but um, it kept me, it kept me distracted too.
0: Fascinating. Just the, yeah, what our brains have to process in order to mm-hmm. make it through this whole situation um, mm-hmm. and how it can frame even a stressful moment like that as a, a healthy distraction. Right. Grounded in love, of course. Um, so are there any tough decisions that you face right now?
1: Do I face now? Sure.
0: Or, or mm-hmm. even before transplant, like, did you have any, um,
1: well, I, you know, I think my exposure prior to the, the transplant was, you know, reading a lot about, you know, complications and things that people were having a hard time. And, you know, there's that. When people talk about chemotherapy and they talk about, you know, knocking your immune system down to nothing, you know, all the negative things you've ever heard about those kinds of processes, especially chemotherapy, you think, you know, I could really die. I mean, this is this is this could happen, you know, and, and before you go and you do it, you know, I'm like planning you know, making every, sure everything's in order just in case, you know, and I make sure that my wife knows where everything is and how to log into the bank account and how to pay this bill and that bill, and I'm writing letters to my kids, you know, that they can open up years from now, and, you know, all those kinds of things, preparing to potentially die. And, you know, then looking back at it, I was being so dramatic, <laughs> you know, considering the way things turned out. But, you know, that was those were my hesitations. I I don't know if it was so much of a hesitation, but I, I, I was going to do it regardless, but these were the things I was worrying about.
0: Absolutely. Prior to going in. Well, Dr. Burt does a really good job and his nurses all preparing, at least making sure that you are well aware that this can cause Mm -hmm. death and that this is such a serious undertaking.
1: Right. Uh, Yeah. They, they did, you know, they're uh, just not with that, but I mean, uh, through the entire process where they were, they were wonderful. Um, but you know, it's, it's the things that go through your mind prior to doing anything that's huge.
0: Right. And so I'm sure your wife appreciated it, but was stressed as well. Do you know, um, has she ever talked to you about her stress?
1: I'm sorry. Say again,
0: your wife, as you're writing these letters and preparing, to head for transplant and sharing passwords and making sure she has everything she needs just in case. Um,
1: I think she was more stressed for the kids than for herself. And she she kept me going. I mean, she would just say, what's well, not going to happen? This is not going to be a problem. You know, she knew I had to go through my process, you know, to make myself prepared for these things. But at the same time, she would say, you know you're being ridiculous, right? This is all going to be fine.
0: <laughs> well, it's yeah, trying to pump up the warrior for battle, right?
1: Yeah, you know, and and it worked. I mean, and, and that's, you know, she's not one for being sentimental or overly um emotional about things. You know, she um she tells it like she like it is and how she feels and she is like you know, I'm I'm the sensitive one in the relationship. So she tells me you need you need to stop. You're being you're being ridiculous. This is going to be fine. You know, but so does, it, it's 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 her way of being positive.
0: <laughs> well, you know, to each his own, right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So you but, mentioned earlier though that you were hesitant to accept that maybe the transplant had worked. Does she shake you up um, these days with your attitude or? Um...
1: Well, I think though, you know, and, and one of the things is that when you talk about this process, and there, there's always, you know, some amount of regret with how, you know, you you go through it. And, and in the end, when I got back to Florida and I was recovering, and I was itching to go back to work, and uh, in hindsight, um, the job was really causing me a lot of stress and was making my illness worse than it had to be. And um, and then I rushed to go back. I, I went back, and I, that's my biggest regret: is that I just didn't let my long-term disability run out and just tell them I'm not coming back. That's what I should have done, you know. But I went back, and that's sort of this, you know, weird ego thing where I wanted to go back and show everybody how great I was doing, mm-hmm. you know. And in the end, when you talk about a company or whatever. Uh, They don't care at the end of the day, you know, (laughs) know, that you're, you know, whether you're healthy or not, as long as you do you're doing your job. And I did my job well. And ironically, what ended up happening is I, I lost that job um, a month after um, going back to work. Wow. Yeah. And so for six months after that, um, I didn't work and um I've been working in my particular industry for um, 25, almost 30 years, gosh, and um, a competitor uh, approached me and said, would you like to come and work here? And I said, sure. I mean, you know, we've been kind of knowing each other for a long time and maybe it's the right time to do it. And he said, well, but you'll have to move to Pennsylvania. And I thought, well, this might be perfect.
0: Right. It's not as hot as Florida.
1: It's not, it's not as hot. Yes, I'll have to deal with the winters and it will be terrible in, in, in a lot of regards, but, you know, it's not as oppressively hot and it's, it doesn't have the humidity level. And so, you know, since moving here in, in March, um, I'm really thriving, you know, and there's so many things that are different here, you know, in regard, you know, things that you don't think about if you live in the north is, um, you know, all the houses have stairs, You know, in Florida, a lot of the houses are ranches. Here we have basements. I mean, the house we're living in now is four levels. Wow. So I'm going up and down the stairs constantly. And, uh, (laughs) you know, a year ago, there's no way. I just, you know, climbing up and down the stairs a couple of times a year ago would mean that I would need to lay down Mm. for a considerable amount of time. And now I'm like bebopping up and down these stairs like it's like like nobody's business. It's amazing.
0: That is amazing. What other symptoms have changed for you post
1: transplant? My vision's better. Um, I am I am retaining a lot more, um, you know, memory-wise. Um, <laughs> you know, my, my son and I just did um, a day in New York a couple weeks ago. We just went and did all the touristy things in New York. And uh, then last Friday, we did a day in Philadelphia where we did all the historical things and the tours and the museums and all that kind of stuff. And um, my wife gave me the warning, you know, before each one of the trips and said, look, don't overdo it. Hmm. I can't lose you for the entire weekend because you know how this used to happen. And I said, yeah, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll take it easy, which I didn't do. you know we just wanted to do what we wanted to do and you know and then i got home and that night we went out my wife and i went out and had dinner and had drinks and everything once my son and i got home and then i went to bed at a normal time got up the next morning made breakfast did all our usual things spent the day with the family and it was like it like it never happened i mean i used to prepare to be down for two days after having an active day like that. And That's amazing. It just, kept, it just kept going.
0: Amazing. And so I'm sure your family really enjoys having you around. I hope so. You can participate yeah. in life instead of just watching from afar.
1: Well, you know, and then you know, I, I have two extreme age kids. My, my son is 17 and my daughter's turning two in a week. And, um, I wanted her to have, you know, the, the, the period of time that my son had, you know, pre-diagnosis, you know, I, I wanted her to be able to, uh, to enjoy time with me, um, the way he did. And, um, the, having that as a motivation was huge. And now, you know, I can keep up with her and, uh, you she know, she's hitting chance. into the terrible twos. So she never stops. She's, mm. She doesn't walk. She runs. To everything, and and now I can keep up. I'm not I'm not running, but I didn't run before either. Right. But you know, I, I can keep up with her anyway.
0: That's wonderful. You know, it,
1: well, and the idea of you know again with the stairs, driving, going up and down the stairs, but now I'm carrying her up and down the stairs, which I wouldn't have dared to do sure. prior to to this transplant because I would have fallen, mm-hmm. would have fallen and taken her with me, and and now I go up the stairs holding her in my arms you know uh not holding on to the railing it's it's great
0: amazing amazing so you must have been in very active disease phase when you went in for transplant
1: I do it, you know? right prior prior to right prior to the transplant it was it was really bad it, it had gotten to the point where um, I was having regular relapses and and flare ups were a regular occurrence. I mean, it was just, it was really bad, and and I just was not getting anything out of life, to be honest.
0: Sure. Well, and Dr. Burt says that transplant is most effective for people in very active disease phase Mm -hmm. uh, or stages, and so that's phenomenal that it sounds as though things have certainly been halted, if not improved, in your situation. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. No, there... he, he took he took one look at me and said, "This will help you." And from those words, you know, I I took off. That was it. I was determined that that's what we we're going to do, and we we're going to figure out a way, you know, to financially make it happen, and you know, be able to have the proper recovery and all that kind of stuff. Just from those words coming out of his mouth, I we weren't going to be stopped.
0: He looks me in the eye when he says it too. I can help you.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, he, even doctors in the most minor, um, illnesses never say that. No. And here is this, this major disease that I have that has changed almost every aspect of my life. And he just said that he can help me. I mean, how life-changing is that?
0: On a, right. On its own premise and him just having that faith and knowing that, this works for people
1: mm-hmm. and he just exuded so much confidence he he didn't he didn't have a caveat there he, he you know he didn't say well it works for most people he said this is gonna help you mm-hmm.
0: you're a good candidate
1: mm-hmm exactly
0: so in the context of recovery what promises to yourself are you willing to make
1: I think the promise I made to myself right from the start of recovery was that I'm not going to waste this. You know, that even things that uh, weren't of a physical nature that I would have previously said no to, I wasn't going to say no to anymore.
0: Mm, that's powerful. You know,
1: and, and to try to get as much out of life as I can and not be, a grumpy old man anymore. You know, and to uh and I say old, I mean I'm in my forties, but you know, prior to having this transplant I felt like a old man. Like I couldn't move around and I was hurting and soaring, grunting and groaning and just, you know, getting up out of a chair, you know, that kind of thing. It made me feel like it was a hundred years old. Um, so now just trying to experience these kinds of things. I mean you know here in Pennsylvania, we're kind of in a rural area, and there's farms and there's you know lots of outdoor activities and things and we'll go you know to these um these farms where you know they're producing whatever is in season for that time, and you know I'm out there with my wife at these farmers' markets and doing all these things and stuff that I wouldn't do uh before, not only because physically I wasn't able to but also because. I didn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Now I'm opening myself up to doing these kinds of things and just saying yes.
0: That's powerful. Very powerful. So what could you offer as advice based on your own experience to help others um, with MS, either in preparing for or recovery from HSCT?
1: Well, I, I think the, the preparing is, 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 is what I said before, just trust the process. Mm-hmm. Just, just let it, let it happen and, and know that all this uncomfortableness that you're feeling or the fear that you have is going to be for something very positive. Don't wrap yourself up in, in all that negativity and, and, basically convince yourself that you need to be having a hard time. Does that make sense?
0: It does make sense.
1: You know, and, and I felt that, you know, I just was trying to have fun in the hospital. If you can.
0: Well, I think the nurses even commented to me a couple of times that, um, people worry so much and it ends up creating complications that are not necessary or, um, yeah, they, If they could just give up the worry, they could do Mm -hmm. so much better for themselves. And uh, one of the nurses mentioned that it's really a time to find yourself, you know, and explore this new opportunity with life and not hold on to the past. And so many people do hold on to expectations or false ideas or false hopes. And I, too, was just fully present in the moment and gave up any expectation other than mm-hmm. what was presently happening and that well, about every two to three hours, somebody would come into my room to check on me or do a different antibiotic or give me a test or weigh me or blood pressure, or what have you like there there gets mm-hmm. to be a routine so you can expect those little things. But other than that, I, yeah, I released all anticipation of any Anything other than what was happening in the present moment mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. no and and honestly when i when I got home, um, I felt like having come through that experience, I was just energetic and positive and a nicer person mm. than I had been before and and my wife almost didn't know how to take it you know, that I was being nice all the time. I wasn't grumpy. I wasn't in pain and I wasn't complaining, you know, um, I was a nice guy and I thought I haven't been this nice guy in a long time. Wow. You know, I even started liking myself more than I did before. I was, there you know, you I was miserable and, and, and hated, you know, what I was doing to the people around me and, you know, not performing well, uh, enough you know at, at work and you know that sort of thing i just um that's you know, the started disease. to embrace well and i started you know afterwards i started to embrace the family more the extended family more my friends making an effort to really let my friends know how i felt about them and you know expressing those things and just being a better person i mean that's really at the end of the day Um, the thing I, I, I feel best about, uh, the whole process.
0: Transformational.
1: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. I mean, I'm not a, uh, a religious person and people throw around thoughts and prayers and miracles and things like that. Like, you know, they don't mean anything, but you know, it is transformational. And, um, I, I just put my faith in, in science and uh, I thought, well, this is great, and it's easy to say, oh, it's a miracle, but this is the real deal. This is, you know, years and years of, of research and study and and you know experiments, and it all culminates in something that actually works. Right. And uh, I just thought to to just call it a miracle was uh, um, not doing it credit.
0: Sure, I. Would almost go so far as to say insulting to the scientists, but <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: uh, because people do have their ideas about
1: no, and, and you know whatever works for right. whoever that's right, right. That it's that's great. However, you know you come through it and whatever helps you. But for me, it was I'm a technical person. You know, I'm I, I you know I think about things in those terms, and to know that you know that there was that much work that had been in that had gone into this that made me feel good about it and positive about it.
0: Sure. So I guess, did you have to explain it uh, to your kids? Well, to your 17 year old son, certainly I'm sure that conversation was easier than your two year old.
1: I did, you know, and, and I think when, when you, even when you talk to someone who's, well, he was 16 at the time, but you know, when you're talking to him about it, you know, it had been almost 10 years since I'd been diagnosed. So it's what he'd known for a long time. And so I kind of had to explain to him, you know, hey, I used to be able to do this, this, and this, and I can't do it anymore. And I said, you know, I want to, you know, you get really sentimental and weepy when you say things like, I want to be at your college graduation. Mm-hmm. I want to be there when you get married. I want to be able to to walk your sister down the aisle and not be on a cane or in a wheelchair, you know, by the time all that rolls around, you know, and to try to give him perspective on it. But he, um, he was very worried about it. And, and I felt bad when I got home because he was just so relieved and he had been so stressed about it and it really affected him, you know, in a, in a heavy way, just worrying about me. And uh, no, no amount of, Talking to him while it was going on and telling him that I'm doing great or anything did anything until he saw it for himself.
0: And could give you, you know. a big hug, I'm
1: sure. Oh, yeah. oh gosh, he hasn't stopped hugging me.
0: That's wonderful.
1: Yeah. Well, so and he, so that... it's it's funny to have some uh, another man the same height as you basically you know, constantly <laughs> hugging you okay. everywhere you go.
0: <laughs> well, it's that second chance, right? Um he's not going to yeah. waste it either.
1: No, and it it gave him a lot of perspective, I think.
0: Which is tremendous. I know uh, my daughter had a lot of support, and she's only seven and a half right now. So actually she just turned seven the week between phases, between mobilization Mm -hmm. and transplant. And uh, I tried to explain to her that, you know, mama's got this disease that tells her body to attack itself. And mm-hmm. this procedure will take out all the cells that carry that bad message. We'll just take mm-hmm. them all out, wipe them out completely, so there's no more bad messaging. And then, in order to get healthy again, I get new cells that don't have the messaging, and they're going to help me be strong again. Mm-hmm. Seemed to make sense to her.
1: Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, I uh, it, it's amazing. You don't think kids are picking up on certain things, and then, and then they understand them completely. The um, even my daughter, being you know just over a year old at the time, um, you know I left and I was gone for you know two months, and I came back and I looked like a different person. I, my beard was gone, and my hair was gone, and my eyebrows were gone. You know, and I was puffy and you know, full of steroids or whatever. You know, and even at that young age, she knew, and she, you know, I walked in the house and she gave me this huge hug, and I just held her mm. in my arms, and she hugged me back for the first time, really, you know, as as a child, really realizing what's going on, sure, and just held and just held on to me for the longest time, you know, and I Sweetness. thought, you know, she really in a way understands what's going on.
0: Mm. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, So let's just change gears to a lightning Mm. round, speed things up a little bit. So offering (laughs) like a one word response or just front of the mind doesn't have to be too long or detailed. Name Name a superpower that you gained from your experience with HSCT.
1: Is perspective
0: a superpower? Sure.
1: Um, Along with walking?
0: (laughs) There you go. Not falling down. Uh, (laughs) Perspective is important and it's a good one to gain. What is holding you back from sharing your superpower with others?
1: Nothing. If you sit still long enough, I'll tell you.
0: Well, I can sit still. You can expand on.
1: <laughs> well, no, I would, you know, I tell you about, you know, the perspective that I gained. Sure. You know, and, and everything we've been talking about, uh, you know, on this, and on the podcast is, you know, um, what I would tell anyone who wants to know, you know, and in fact, I, I had this, I, I know I'm slowing down the lightning round here, but no, you know, I, I, I had this conversation with, um, uh, with my HR person at work recently. And, you know, I, I went into this new job and nobody knew anything about my MS. Oh, sure. And nobody, and nobody picked up on anything. And that was what was so amazing to me. And um, I felt really close to her and we were having a conversation of personal in nature. And, you know, I told her what I had been through and she just started crying. Mm. And mm. she said, D- you know, you have got such a healthy perspective on things now and you're a good person and you deserve this. And, you know, I thought, you know, after what we all go through in, in our community, you know, we all deserve that and we all deserve to be able to gain that much perspective and, and, um, you know, have a new way of, of approaching things afterwards. It's, you know, it's our second chance.
0: Indeed. That's beautiful. Thank you for expanding the lightning round. (laughs) Can you recommend a resource or a book that has helped you in your recovery?
1: I I actually had this book that was that everybody at my old company had gotten. And, um, it actually was supposed to be about business, but I applied it to what I was going through and it's called emotional intelligence and having, um, emotional intelligence means to, to realize that in any situation anything that happens to you you're gonna immediately have a, an emotional response to it you, you, as a human being you can't help but have an emotional response but it's what you do um, and with that you know do you immediately blurt out and emotionally respond to it or do you take a beat do you think through things and you know, and, and come through, you know, that emotional response with something logical in the end. And, you know, having that being armed with that really helped me, you know, through the process through the recovery, and um, just knowing that it's okay to be emotional. But you can turn that into something that, um, that can be very positive, it doesn't have to be negative response to things don't immediately lash out about things and I don't do that anymore
0: so that I think it leads into the next question is like what's a strategy that promotes your success and recovery from HSCT so shifting your framework sounds like and taking a pause to reflect on the emotion that's occurring
1: Well, and, and, you know, that goes into kind of what we said before about positivity and trusting the process. And honestly, I like to kind of show off my my newfound um, abilities, you know, uh, the things that you, you took for granted before you got sick, you know, the things that you used to do without even thinking about it. You know, now I can do some of those things again, and I'm happy to do them and then tell people, you know, I didn't used to be able to do this. <laughs> right. In, 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 sort of a bra- in a braggadocious kind of way.
0: Sure. Well, hey, you know, you you got through it, and um, you got through it well, and so it's it's your right to brag when you're having a great day, especially. yeah Definitely. So, what are you grateful for about your experience that has gone unspoken?
1: I, you know, it, it goes without saying that you know the the, the staff at the hospital um, was absolutely wonderful, yeah. and and through them and 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 having been there, you know, for a couple of trips for an extended period of time, I felt this real kinship with the city. I felt like I was part of the city. It was almost like I'm in a new place and I'm gaining a new perspective and, you know, I'm getting a new life and I felt this weird sort of brotherhood with the city. Mm. And, uh, and I, now I have this great affection for the city itself. I mean, it's like something that, um, I will always carry with me and, um, can't really explain it. it. It just was a feeling that I got from being there and, and, um, you know just living life in, you know prior to the hospitalization portion when i was you know doing all the uh, ramp up to it i was staying you know in an airbnb you know north of of the city and then taking the the uh, l into you know the city and 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 going to the hospital every other day or whatever it was and and um you know just feeling a part of that and and getting to know people and observing people in the city and everybody is wonderful it's like a really nice version of new york up there. <laughs> and uh, i you know i think that's something i'll always carry with me The uh, relationships that i built with the doctors and with the staff but with the city too for some reason
0: it's tremendous it's a different perspective for sure because i stayed right across the street and although we have family and can visit whenever we want i uh I could see having an outsider perspective on a daily commute from the suburbs would certainly help you develop, like you said, a kinship.
1: Uh, that's beautiful. Well, and, and, and my sister was staying with me at the time, and uh, we were doing all this together, and we did some touristy things, too, which was fun until Allison at Dr. Burt's office told me to stop. <laughs> you
0: should really <laughs> she... be wearing a mask.
1: Right. She, she called me one day to check on me and I was on the L on my way back to the house we were staying in. And, um, I was trying to be very cagey about it. I didn't want her to know where I was. And, uh, that just then the, uh, the, um, announcement came over the loudspeaker <laughs> in the car and she said, are you on the train? Busted. Yeah. and like, yeah, but I'm almost home. I, you know and I'm going straight home that's it I, I promise <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that must but, have been uh, during mobilization you were doing pigeon shots
1: yes yeah. yes it was and uh you know I I've never been one to be afraid of things I took uh, all the necessary precautions and that kind of thing and I felt like you know I was being very careful but at the same time no, I just wanted to go down and get my blood work and then hop back on the train and go back home. She just caught me at a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> sure.
0: Well, it's um, good that you were careful the entire time <laughs> and took the precautions necessary because, you know, quite honestly, you're pretty lucky that you uh, skated out without complication.
1: Yeah. No i I, I feel so fortunate um, that I was able to come through it and. Like I told you before, just in the constant fear of something is going to happen, you know, kept me on the straight and narrow for the most part.
0: Sure. It is a, uh, I don't know if you experience that anymore. If you have a fear that maybe, maybe something will t- take a turn for the worse. Um, I hope no, that you don't.
1: I have no fear anymore.
0: Tremendous. So you can say, say yes without questioning it.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, for participating in this podcast, learning more about, well, all of it. The transformation of perspective that occurred for you was just powerful. It's a very powerful story, and I hope that you continue to share it.
1: Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to say it on your show.
0: Well, you know, I hope that more people get to hear about HSCT and, you know, all aspects, the good, the bad, the hard, the easy. Um, and so thanks for shedding light on your experience. Was there anything that shifted for you during the conversation?
1: I'm sorry, say again,
0: was there anything that shifted for you during the conversation?
1: No, I think, you know, um, I always worry that I talk too much.
0: No. <laughs> not at all. It's it's I think it's so important for people to hear the details and I think even after we hang up there will still be questions and a lingering mm. desire to know more. And that's where I'm hopeful that as we continue to tell more stories and we find commonality mm. we build this community of HSCT warrior veterans and continue to help those who are new to the experience in ways that beyond the social media right beyond the two sentences in a comment thread on social media this gives people a deeper insight i think to the human experience some of the invisible aspects of this whole process that Um, remain unspoken until now and uh, I'm just honored that you took the time to tell your story so thanks again so much Oh, thank you be sure to visit our website hsctwarriorspodcast.com where you can find notes from today's episode submit ideas or feedback and access the latest HSCT research and resources Special thanks to musical genius Bill Alitzhauser for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcasts. Take a moment to leave a review because your feedback will help to develop even better episodes, and your ratings will help other people find the show. Tune in next Wednesday for a brand new episode highlighting another HSCT warrior. Until then, be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind, be well.